I'm sure many of us know someone, if not you, who's felt uncomfortable talking about religion and money or just have feelings of shame or guilt about it. Welcome to Yahweh's Money, a podcast where we discuss the crossroads or intersections of religion and money. We're going to go deep into topics like tithing and saving and debt and so much more from the religious view. I'm your host, Shay Cook, CEO and founder of Crusaders for Change, LLC, and our co-host is Vanessa McNelly, one of our financial counselor coach educators. Let's talk about God and money. Well, welcome everybody back to Yahweh's Money. I am one of your co-hosts, Shay Cook, and we're wrapping up this series of feelings of failure and finances. I'm super excited about the conversations we've had around this topic. It seems to come up a lot. That's why we brought, broke it out in three sections. Um, but I know we're going to be talking about it in the future. But we also have our other amazing co-host, Vanessa McNally. Hey, guys. So glad to be back. This is lucky number 13 for our episode. So glad to be here. I didn't even know that. Oh, yeah. Episode 13. Lucky 13. Feelings of failure and finances part three. We got the three there, the numeration. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so today <laughs> we're going to be talking about how to regain confidence after financial loss and fear and how to have conversations around that fear in finances and also seeking help around the feelings of embarrassment and shame and how do you know when is the right time to reach out so I'm really excited to have these conversations today our first question though is facing your finances after financial loss is tough what is the first step step in regaining your confidence this is a very hard question number one Mm. I think that different people um, have different steps and different things to, to think about and look about. And I think it really depends on where we are in our walk as well. But honestly, I think number one for me is just acceptance saying, you know, this happened. I can't go back. I can't change things. I'm going to move forward. Um, but really just accepting that it is what it is. I can't change it. Let's move on. And hopefully, you know, I can kind of gain my momentum back with that, too. I think with gaining that confidence back, too, sometimes it's going to take some of us longer than others, Mm -hmm. too. Um, Just because, you know, some of us do have a confidence issue. I know I do. You know, (laughs) I want to make sure that, you know, that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm making other people happy, which is not really what we're supposed to be doing, making others happy like that. But I think sometimes, you know, if you lack confidence, it's going to take a little bit longer than if you already have some of that. Yeah, I will take it a step further. I believe acceptance is number one step, but somewhere in that journey of regaining that confidence, you got to have forgiveness, forgiveness for me, for our, for yourself. It's very, very important in order for, in, for you to move forward. You know, I, I have many stories around not forgiving myself and forgiving myself. I believe I've forgiven myself for most things I've done when it comes to loss, especially financial loss. But, you know, just feeling embarrassed when we were living in Turkey and in Germany and we had to get that loan or furniture and people coming over that were higher ranks or just had more money. And they had all this beautiful house of furniture. And here they're coming over with my loan or furniture with, you know, a uh, comforter thrown over the chair to make it look more appeasing or, you know, just so they wouldn't make fun of me, I guess, in my own head. I felt a certain way about that, you know, and just many different, you know, even in Turkey, I didn't work for seven months because my I was working on my master's and my daughter was about to start school. So I figured I'd spend more time with her before she went to kindergarten and it worked for our family. But 
I had a lot of people in our circle or a few people, women that were, you know, had husbands that were higher ranking or higher GS ratings. And they just had more. Their houses were beautiful and had all this beautiful furniture from Belgium and all these different places around the world and leather and all. And we didn't have all that. And, you know, I just felt a certain way. And I was so embarrassed about that. But I remember my mom telling me early on in marriage that, you know, it takes time to build up your house to build up, you know, you just to, so you can feel comfortable in that. And, you know, even though some people use debt these days to, <laughs> to get everything they need at once and then they're in a whole load of debt. But, you know, just forgiving myself that it was OK. We were young. We didn't have the money. It was OK to have this loaner furniture or to have the cheap furniture or whatever that looks like. That was one of many things in the financial realm that I had to forgive myself, you know, and so it, it is what it is. But, you know, I learned as I got older. Gosh, I remember those days, too, of all the loaner <laughs> furniture. Uh, <laughs> and you do, you know, especially when you're overseas like that and you see all these amazing pieces mm-hmm. of people who've been there. I think we all kind of had that envy. You yeah. Know, we, wanted, we, <laughs> we wanted all those beautiful pieces, um, you know, that eventually one day we probably would get one or two mm-hmm. uh, if we saved appropriately. But yeah, that's, it's so hard when you go into that situation and you're like, oh my gosh, I am not enough. And I think mm-hmm. that's what it comes down to is you feel like you are not enough to fit into that world. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and in Hebrews ten thirty five says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. And in Ephesians three twelve it says in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So really having that relationship God uh, with God as well. I know as you know, we were going through those times in Germany and Turkey and we were younger, a married couple, young child, not having the money to buy all the beautiful shrunks and curio cabinets and big tables and leather chairs and all that. We did end up getting our Italian leather eventually <laughs> but <laughs> while we were in Germany. But, you know, just... Not having all of that, I was building my relationship with God as well. And he was showing me what was really was important. It wasn't about right. the materialistic things. It was more about the relationship with him, relationship mm-hmm. with him, and the relationship with the people and serving his people were more important. Eventually, we did end up getting some really nice things, but that took time. We saved, did all the right things financially. But, you know, again, that acceptance that we're not going to be like, the Joneses, Kardashians, Cartiers that I say, and then to find forgiving myself for feeling that envy, for feeling that shame, um, right. helped me move forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, too. I think a lot of times we look at confidence as being boastful or having mm. an ego. Yep. You know, and I think especially like in religious settings, we're kind of taught that they're all the same thing, you know, <laughs> even though they're not, <laughs> Yeah, really. you know, it's, it's okay to be confident in who you are and, and, you know, what you're becoming. But I think a lot of times I know growing up Baptist, you know, you did not, you know, show flashy things, mm-hmm. you know, you, you didn't have a nice purse. You didn't have a big ring mm-hmm. uh, because if you had those, you know, especially if you, gosh, if you were a pastor or a pastor's mm-hmm. wife and you had those things, you know, where was that money coming from? Exactly. There's always that talk. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, but I think we have to be able to separate those things and say just because, you know, I have confidence or I'm confident in what I'm doing does not mean that I'm boastful or have an ego or have pride Mm -hmm. in a negative fashion. Exactly. That's a good point. That pride and ego can get you in trouble. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I've had some very deep conversations with my ego mm-hmm. and my spirit because there's always that challenge or they're always going at each other. And I know the spirit is where yeah. I want to be, but I'm also human. So there's obviously a real ego that takes me, I would say some good places, but the spirit is where I want to be in mostly, but I have an ego and I sometimes have to say, sit down, ego. I don't have time for that. <laughs> and, you know, and I'll tell people and I'm like, you know, my ego. And they're like, what? You know? Oh, yeah. My ego did that. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> Then it's okay. I have a big ego and I have to tame that thing sometimes, <laughs> a lot of times. <laughs> so what can we do to change the conversations of fear and finances? I know we've talked about before making it sexy to talk about it and talk about it more and more and more and shine a light or just, you know, and on that yeah. shame, on that doubt, on that fear and how it's an okay part of life, of the marathon, of the journey, of the process, whatever you want to call that, you know, it's, we need to make it sexy and talk about it all. But what do you think? Vanessa? Yeah. You know, I think that's so true. And I think, you know, there are so many things in life we're told to not talk about and to kind of hide away, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, definitely finances, that's one sex is another, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, these are things that, you know, if we don't talk about them and we don't learn through mm-hmm. them and kind of figure out what works and what doesn't work, then, you know, we're walking around clueless and we're like, okay, Am I doing the right things? Mm. Is it making sense? What's happening? Because you have nothing to compare it to. Yeah. So if you're able to kind of open up and talk about it and say, you know, this is what happened to me. This is what I did wrong. You know, this is why this happened this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think not only does it help us, but it also helps the people who are below us and, and younger than us. And they can learn from our mistakes and hopefully won't make as many themselves. So I think, yeah, just opening up, having conversations, talking about it and just saying, yep, I did that. That was me. <laughs> I own it. Um, exactly. you know, things happened. But I think that's something we really have to, to work on is just being able to say, this happened. It didn't work the way I wanted it to. And it's okay. It's okay. It is okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because I say people, mm-hmm. especially in America, and I'm sure it's across the yeah. world, talk more about sex and politics than anything. <laughs> I'm like, really? You can talk about sex, even though I know some circles they don't. But, you know, you on TV and stuff, so much sex, so much sex, so much sex, so much (laughs) politics. Like, why are we not talking about real life stuff? Like, I mean, obviously, sex and politics are real life, but money, you know, according to Turbo Mm -hmm. Real Money Talk survey, it showed that more than 51 percent of respondents do not talk about their finances with either their friends or family. And I mean, we could even go even deeper, especially in American, unfortunately, history that, you know, that it was used to oppress certain groups of people Mm -hmm. not talking about money. But now that we've moved out of that and we've got internet and we've got all these ways of communicating, we need to have these conversations with, like you said, the younger generation so they don't make the same mistake. But also say, if you make a mistake, hey, I made a mistake. I've had bad credit. I've had student loans. Mm-hmm. I've had a forbearance. I've had this. I've had a repossession. I've had, you know, you know, whatever. I had to go get a payday loan, whatever that looks like for you. But now I've learned from that and mm-hmm. I move from forward. So making that really, <laughs> I just, I don't know other way to say to make it sexy. But we really need to talk about money. Make it sexy. Yeah, Yeah. you know, and we do. We need to talk, talk, talk. And I think that's something that we have seen in the last few years is Mm -hmm. people are starting to open up and talk about money more. They are. Which is such a blessing. I mean, you and I have jobs because of that. So that's a good thing. Exactly. (laughs) And we're able to make a make a living with this. But Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's just that whole thing of making it not taboo, talking about it 
owning what has happened to us in the past, you know, our successes and our failures, Mm -hmm. both, you know, having those conversations. You know, I am so thankful for my grandparents and I talk about them all the time. (laughs) You know, my grandfather taught me the envelope system when I was Mm. four years old. Four years old, you know, and he had those conversations about needs versus wants and tithing and, you know, how to give when you don't have money to give. Mm -hmm. So I think when you have somebody in your life that can have those conversations, talk about it, you know, own their position, tell you what works, what doesn't work for, you know, work for them anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, it, It just, it changes everything about how you handle your money. Mm hmm. And I grew up totally different on the whole yeah, other different yeah. side of the spectrum <laughs> where it was a lot of debt, zero mm-hmm. negative saving, mm-hmm. uh, just debt, 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 credit cards, buy everything is when you can, you know, because we don't know if tomorrow's going to be promised, which is true, but also sad, you know, mm-hmm. so there was no savings. And so I always said I did the opposite. <laughs> so that helped me. <laughs> so. But money has really become become a symbol of status and power and moral character Mm -hmm. that in itself could be intimidating and cause sensitivity when talking about our personal finances. You know, if you're sitting across the table and you know somebody's making three hundred, four hundred thousand, a million dollars, you're like, how are they going to look at me? I'm only making thirty. You know, you know. But why should we even be looking at each other by the amount of money we have? That's the sad. What about our character? What about we're just a good person? I don't care if I make ten dollars an hour or fifty dollars an hour. I'm a good person, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. But people don't in America. I mean, I only can speak because this is my country that we don't look at each other like that. You know, right. somebody has more money, they're supposed to be better. That's not necessarily true. I think it's. A, I'm just going to quote this from yeah. Kendrick. Kendrick Lamar was like, "Just because you got money, don't mean you got credibility." You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, so I mean, or like, class. or class, <laughs> or class. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's kind of shoved down our throats, though, in the yeah. U.S. Like, you know, almost all the reality shows are people who have tons of money. Yeah. And we, we watch them get on their private jets and, you <laughs> know, yachts. have their <laughs> – Right? Exactly. I mean, I love Below Deck. That's one of my favorite shows. And my goal is to one day have enough money to go for one night. So uh, – <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we watch this all the time and we're surrounded with that and we compare our lives to mm. what we see. But the thing we have to keep remembering is, is we're seeing a sliver, you know, mm-hmm. we're seeing a sliver that is edited and put on display in this beautiful format. You know, most of it, there is a script to that, even though it's reality, <laughs> um, you know, and we see this, this time stamp, this tiny moment in time, and we don't see the struggles behind mm. or, you know, what they're dealing with because of other relationships or what the money has done to their relationships mm-hmm. as well. But I think as long as we can have these open conversations and dialogue and realize that that's the 1%, and the rest of us, you know, we're kind of out here. Uh, gosh, maybe we can start a new reality show called like Middle Class America. I don't know. Amen. Um, we are the majority. <laughs> to normalize that, you know, yeah. to normalize that. And when you're saying like sitting across talking with somebody or having dinner, I know a lot of times, you know, if I'm going out with somebody and I know they're going to buy my dinner, I consciously don't order what I normally would order Mm. because I don't want it to cost them as much as I would spend, you know? Um, Or I know some people think the opposite way. I was about to say. I'm going to get whatever. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> but we do. We compare and we think about in the cars our drive, you know, that mm. we drive and the, the handbags we carry. You know, everything is a judgment. You know, everything. Some are positive, some are negative, but everything is a judgment. Um, and I think when we can kind of let go of that and say, you know, I'm really happy that they have this really nice purse. Good for them. You know, they're doing something wonderful um, and not feel that jealousy because that's the one we've been wanting and have on, you know, our Pinterest page for the past five years. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think we just have to be OK with where we are. You yeah. Know? And don't attach irresponsibility. I know I do sometimes when I yeah. see certain family members that I know they ain't, ain't no chance in, excuse my mm-hmm. language, hell that they can mm-hmm. afford that. And I'm like, oh, obviously they put that on credit or whatever. And it's like, right. but you're living so yeah. irresponsible because just the other right. week you were asking me for money, for food or right. whatever. So like, get your yeah. life together, you know, but I'm trying yeah. not to be irresponsible because, or be rude because, or judgy because I am a financial counselor, but obviously mm-hmm. they're my family. So mm-hmm. I have a different <laughs> intention or expectation <laughs> when it comes to them. But, you know, it's just, it, yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. going to go on another tangent there, but it, it doesn't, you know, I, but then I may be causing shame. Mm-hmm. So I have to put yeah. myself in check about right. how I, you know, engage with family and friends or your clients, because I don't want them to feel like I can't share or get help from Shay or whatever, whatever because mm-hmm. they're going to feel shame. So we also have to check ourselves <laughs> and how we we're, cause you know, we're talking about everybody outside mm-hmm. the outside stuff, but what about internally what's going yeah. on? You know, that's, and that's so true uh, because, you know, we hear lots of things that, yeah. you know, we kind of keep to ourselves, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's one of those things when, you know, somebody tells you I have $5,000 in debt versus $500,000 in mm. debt, you know, being able to kind of keep that face, you know, uh, in a, in a blank <laughs> setting and not be like, oh my gosh, um, that's a lot of debt yeah. or, you know, having the conversations with somebody who just spent $80,000 on a car mm. and they can't afford their rent. Mm. You know, we have those conversations and it's so hard to kind of sit back and, and say, okay, it is what it is. We're going to move forward. Um, but you know, there are times we don't make the best decisions too. And we exactly. do this for a job, you know? Exactly. Um, like I have a friend and I was literally having a conversation with her this past week and she's a financial counselor mm. and she's a CFP. And, you know, she was telling me that she can't afford a car payment on what she makes. Mm. And I'm thinking, okay, all right. You know, cause then my head starts thinking and, and judging a little bit, even though you try not to. And it's like, okay, you don't have a house payment. You make what I make. You have a housekeeper. You have a pool boy. You know, you have a lawn guy. And that's where my head goes. And mine's too. Mine's too. Right? Right. And it's like, okay, we've got to stop doing that because we all have different situations. We all have things that cause us stress in our lives. So Mm. sometimes having a housekeeper keeps that stress level in check too. Yeah. Um, But, but yeah, we, I mean, we do it too. You're so right. We do it too. I mean, it took me 22 years to get a housekeeper, but I <laughs> I was very judging the people they got housekeepers. I'm like, what the hell? Clean your own house. What's the problem? It's like, I don't oh, understand. Yeah. But when I see people, you know, seeing going through their budgets with them or the spend plan, and I'm mm-hmm. like, you go, like you said, you got this, but, but everybody gets different priorities, you know, for different reasons. Mm-hmm. So trying not to judge them is also hard as well, but we need to try to clear all that out and help people, you know, right. and. It's hard, but it can be done. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And seeking help can cause feelings of embarrassment and shame, kind of what we were saying. So how do you know when is the right time to reach out? So 
How do you know? Oh, gosh. You know, I think the one thing that we probably see most is people who reach out when it's kind of too late. Yeah, reactive. If they would have reached, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. If they would have come to talk to us three months before, six months before, a year before, mm-hmm. you know, the situation would have been so different. So I would just say, you know, when you think that there might be an issue or a problem or before then, really, uh, you know, have those conversations. Like just because you talk to somebody and you seek help doesn't mean there's a problem. Mm. You can be proactive. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the best client I have is when somebody comes in and they're like, this is what I'm doing. I just want to make sure that, you know, there's something out there that I'm not seeing. Yeah. You know? And I think if we did that in all walks of life, you know, if we have a nutritionist and we're like, hey, this is the diet I'm following. How does that look to you? You know, mm-hmm. even though it's pretty good, um, you know, even with schooling or, you know, with work, going to talk to our supervisor before our year evaluation. Exactly. Say, okay. Yeah. So is there something that I can improve on? You know, mm-hmm. is there something that you want to see me do differently? Those are all things that if we can just have those dialogues and we can accept someone giving us, you know, constructive criticism. Mm, that's the other thing. That's the other thing. Being able to take it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, reaching out, having those conversations and just making it part of life. I agree. Cause I know some would say, you know, once you reach that rock bottom or you've exhausted all options, like you're saying, you're in reactive mode instead of being proactive. And at least for me, that's how it was. I'm not calling anybody for help or asking for any <laughs> help until I'm like, I've tried everything on my own. Like, that's why I'm, I tried it. My husband and I try to teach our daughter, like, you know, we're here to help you, but at least try some different options, figure it out on your own um, before you start running to us to fix everything, you know, because then that we, that, that makes us enable you or we're enabling you now, safety right? Net, exactly. Yeah, the safety mm-hmm. net. And I don't want anyone to enable me, even though I've enabled others. <laughs> so, but you know, you learn best through challenges and have others, you know, and how others and them and how, yeah. you know, from the beginning, usually, you know, how they've helped or move forward, um, you know, just helping with them move forward without enabling them is hard as well as what I'm trying to say. But, you know, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so many times I think, you know, some of us are fixers and we want to fix. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we want to make those problems go away because, number one, you feel like you're helping someone, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're making them not have to worry about it. But if they've not learned anything from that situation because you fixed it, Mm -hmm. the problem's just going to keep happening. It's just going to keep happening. That's what I was trying to say. You know, if you're there at the very beginning helping them and then you help help them fix the problems per se and then. Okay, it's going to happen again. So eventually they're going to have to figure it out on their own. So, or hopefully they do, you know, and it's also important that we help each other in our burdens. But, you know, again, like I said, not enable them. I mean, in Galatians 62, it says, carry each other's burdens. And this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. But I don't think he, I mean, you know, I, to me, it's a balance, Vanessa. I know because right. my family's yeah. like, we're here to help you carry your burdens. Like, yeah, but I don't want you to carry everything because you got your own burden. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So just Mm -hmm. trying to find that appropriate time for them to help carry my burdens. I know it's in the word, but for me, it's a balance. Right. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. And I think we have to learn where that line is Mm -hmm. uh, because some of us are not good at it because we want to just automatically go Mm -hmm. in and go into superhero mode. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But we've got to we've got to find that balance. I think you're so, so right with that. Um, And I think as you know, you and I are both Christians. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something we're taught is to to help others and to, to, you know, make things better for other people, because that's going to bring us joy and joy to them as well. Exactly. 
Exactly. And yeah, to me, I'm still struggling even at 43 or however I am <laughs> trying to figure out the, the burden. 29. You're 29. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm fine with being 43, <laughs> almost 44. <laughs> but um, yeah, finding that balance of when to ask for help is hard. So I, I can relate, you know, and First Corinthians 12, 21, it says the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. So the body has to work in concert, has to work together and for it to move forward. And us as Christians or whatever religious background you're in or that you follow, you know, we need people. You can't do life alone. That's why I know one of my pastors used to say, you can't do life alone. We need help. And it's okay to ask for help and to reach out. Especially when you need help with money. I'm not saying ask for money, but ask how can I do better with my money? You know, but sometimes you have to ask for money. You know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have to get out of that hole. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And we've all been there. And I know I've suffered and sacrificed, though. If I didn't have money, I would eat ego waffles and, you know, and what was ramen for weeks on end when we were in Germany, just so I wouldn't have to ask for help. But eventually it's like, okay, we can't continue this lifestyle. (laughs) So let me go get some money from a relief society to get us back on track so we can eat healthier and eat better, but also figure out why can't we afford to eat better. And there's so many of those different situations I've faced over the last 20 plus years. And I'm sure as a child, my mom and dad did too, making those hard decisions of when to ask for help or when to use credit. Cause maybe that's what they felt like all they could do was use a credit card to get by because they weren't managing. Right. I could say it could be managing right. Or maybe because, you know, dad was enlisted and he didn't have enough money. You know, and he had three kids and a wife and, you know, they were expensive Alaska. So who knows? You know, I, I can be judgy and say, y'all could have managed your money better, but it could have been a simple, I say, we didn't have enough money. I don't think I've ever had that conversation with my father. I think I might go do that today, this weekend. Say, dad, why yeah. were you guys really struggling? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that when I was a small child, we were on food stamps, Mm -hmm. you know, and that was something I literally didn't know until maybe six months ago. Oh, wow. Which is crazy. Crazy did not know that because I was having an honest conversation with my dad. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when I was in college, my mom was like, nope. You know, you're going to make it, you're going to do it, go to the food bank. Mm. So I would go to the food bank for groceries wow. in college. And that is a super humbling experience. It if is. I've never done that. Mm-hmm. I've been, you know, and I've been on WIC, you know, and I mean, yeah. and yeah. I, I had to literally tell myself, it's okay to be on WIC. I'm paying for it with my taxes, right? But that yeah. was just really me dealing with shame and embarrassment of getting food for mm-hmm. my daughter. And that's because we couldn't afford it. And it really helped us, you know, keep her healthy and stuff. But I am telling people all the time, if you qualify, use the resources. Now, I'm not saying exhaust it and use right. it. To, that's the only thing you should be. You should be trying to figure out how to get out of that. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. there for a reason and your taxes are paying for it. So yeah. <laughs> use those resources. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, that's the thing we have to to talk about and kind of think about is giving a hand up versus a handout, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. using it to better the situation, you know, and if we even go back, you know, into teaching a man to fish versus giving him fish, you know, mm-hmm. those are things we have to think about too. How can we stop the cycle? How can we turn this into a teachable moment, even for ourselves when we mm-hmm. go through it to make sure that it's not something that's just on repeat, Yeah, that it's something that we learn from and we grow from. You know, exactly. and we teach others from it too. That's teach the other others. Thing about it. 
teach mm-hmm. others how to fish. Have those don't. conversations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't give them, don't always just give a fish, teach them how to fish. Exactly. That's what I pride myself exactly. on. I'm not going to, you know, I've given a lot of people fish, but now I'm like, all right, let me sit down with you. Mm-hmm. Let me connect you with Crusaders for Change. We got a lot of great yeah. counselors that can teach you how to fish <laughs> <laughs> instead of just giving right. you a hand out. We're going to give you a exactly. hand out. I love that. I love this. Well, that's been great. Any final (laughs) thoughts, Vanessa? You know, I think this has been such an amazing part of our series Mm -hmm. and kind of going through these episodes and just realizing that, you know, I think we all have these stories (laughs) and if we share them with each other and we normalize failure as part of the process, Mm -hmm. I think that's something that we can all learn and grow from. So I say, let's just, you know, let's talk about when things don't go as planned more than when things go as planned. So yep, I say, let's just, you know, open the conversation and keep it open. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, I love hearing good news stories, but I also want to hear the background and the bad news. How did you get to the good news? You know, I don't want to be all bad news. Let me, because that's why I don't be on social so much, because sometimes there's some people that all they report is bad news. I'm like, all right, you got to have something good in your life. (laughs) Come on, you woke up, something. There's got to be something good that happened in your life. But also, I want to hear some bad news stories, like bad news and here's the good news. You know, like, let's connect that. Let's stop telling one side of the story because there's a whole lot of it. So... Oh, this was great. This was so great. We have some amazing upcoming episodes coming up from The Way Wealth, The Way to Wealth with Wise Counsel in Love or in Lending. And you can tune into current and future episodes of Yahweh's Money wherever podcasts are found, including Apple, Google, and Spotify. Please email us. Please, please email us at Yahweh at Crusaders, the number four change.org if you have any questions or topics you would like to discuss in a future episode. And thank you for joining us. And remember, it's always better Yahweh's way. Thank you for listening to this episode of Yahweh's Money. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the crossroads of religion and money. If you have any questions or suggestions of topics you would like to hear us tackle, please email us at Yahweh at crusaders4change.org. Also, we would love to hear your feedback on today's episode. So please leave us a review and remember to subscribe to our podcast. To hear all of Yahweh's Money's latest episodes, please visit us at www.crusaders4change.org or wherever podcasts are found. God bless.